2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we get an update on the oil spill affecting Orange County's beaches. Cleanup and wildlife rescue efforts continue, and Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency last night over the spill. Then, next week marks 30 years since Anita Hill testified before a Senate Judiciary Committee during Clarence Thomas's Supreme Court confirmation hearing, describing the sexual harassment she endured.
0: I felt that I had to tell the truth. I could not keep silent.
2: Hill joins us to reflect on that experience and to talk about her new book, Believing, our 30-year journey to end gender violence. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. An oil pipeline leak first reported Saturday is now estimated to have spilled 144,000 gallons of crude oil into the ocean, up from 126,000. It's fouling beaches and encroaching on wetlands along the Orange County coast and raising questions about whom to hold responsible for the catastrophe. And if you have questions or reactions to the spill... You can always share those now at 866-733-6786 or by posting them on Facebook or Twitter or emailing us, forum at kqed.org. Joining me is Jacob Margolis, a science reporter for KPCC and LAist. Jacob Margolis, thanks so much for coming back on Forum.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: Also with us is Deborah Sivas, professor of environmental law and director of the Environmental Law Clinic at Stanford University. Deborah Sivas, glad to have you as well.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: So Jacob, I'll start with you. What can you tell us about the status of cleanup efforts and the latest impacts on wildlife?
0: Yeah, um, I a lot of assessment is still being done. Um, they have quite a few vol excuse me quite a few professionals out there uh, running cleanup operations. I've seen uh, you know bulldozers, uh, scraping sand off the beach. Um, But it's going to take some time to fully understand the, the the size of the impact, especially when it comes to the wetlands where uh, the Huntington beach uh, wetlands, which, which have been inundated by quite a bit of oil. I know later this week, uh, I did speak to one scientist who said that they would be going out with others to do, to take some soil samples, to see how deep the oil has uh, permeated into the soil there to start to get an idea of, of how things are uh in terms of immediate impact to wildlife um there have been so far eight seabirds at least eight seabirds uh mm-hmm. caught uh, to be cleaned one of them had to be euthanized and there are reports of other seabirds flying around covered in oil um mm-hmm. dead fish and, and the like so we'll see
2: our understanding is that the pipeline leak had been patched is that true
0: uh, my, my understanding is that um, they were able to stem the flow of oil, according to Amplify Energy, which spoke yesterday at a press conference. Um, but from uh, the last update that we heard, uh, they were still trying to figure out what exactly happened. We're sending divers down. And uh, they said as of yesterday that it was no longer leaking.
2: I see. Have we learned anything more about what could have caused this leak?
0: There was speculation yesterday during the press conference that it could have been the anchor of a ship. However, uh, I I think that we really should hold on. And uh, there there are state and federal investigations that are going to go on around this. And, um, you know, it's going to take a bit of time before we know exactly exactly what happened.
2: Well, Deborah Stivas, you've studied past oil spills. What happens now? What is sort of the typical process as government agencies and communities try to get more information about what caused this?
3: Yeah, well, of course, the first order of business is to stop the flow, and it sounds like that may have happened. And then to to, to really work on con, you know constraining the spill and dealing with wildlife that's most immediate at risk. Longer term, as um, as Jacob said, there'll be investigations by both state and federal agencies. Both have jurisdiction here, um, looking into the causes of this, and ultimately uh, probably holding Amplify. Uh, liable for damages, both damages to wildlife, the cost of cleanup, and potentially civil penalties as well.
2: This will even be if, as Jigar Margolis said, it's rumored that maybe a ship's anchor caused it, uh, that the oil company would hold accountability, or how might that accountability be allocated differently?
3: yeah well so this certainly the pipeline so amplify owns that platform as well as the pipeline that takes the oil to shore and so certainly they're on the hook under both fate, state and federal law um you know if the, if it's determined that there was a uh, ship anchor or some other interaction that led to the rupture that entity if they know who who the ship owner is and which ship it was um, would be pulled into that litigation as well Um, But as a first order, as the pipeline owner and operator Amplify is really on the hook here, and to Mm -hmm. to the extent they can get money out of others, they will certainly try to do that.
2: I was surprised to learn that Amplify's subsidiary, it sounds like, had been cited like 125 times for safety and environmental violations since the 80s. When a company has hundreds of noncompliance violations and fines, are there any additional steps that regulators should be taking to better address
3: that? Well, certainly, if that's true, the regulators should be having uh, increased focus on the facility and its uh, this, you know, the status of its infrastructure. I will say that it could come in uh, after the fact when, and for example, the Refugio um, spill a few years back up in Santa Barbara. There were uh, substantial penalties that were levied there in in addition to the natural resources damages because of the company's failure to really um, uh, maintain and take care of its system. And so that may be uh, something that happens on the back end here as well.
2: We're talking with Professor Debra Sivas, Professor of Environmental Law and Director of the Environmental Law Clinic at Stanford University, and getting an update from Jacob Margolis of KPCC on the Huntington Beach oil spill that's also affected beaches all the way down to Newport Beach, and so on, and you can join the conversation. Bill writes, I volunteered at the San Francisco Zoo in 1971 to care for oil-soaked shorebirds and discard the dead ones. It was a sad picture. Won't these coastal oil disasters continue as long as we rely on primitive fossil fuels? It's a big question, but I wanted to get your thoughts to perceive us on what Bill is
3: asking. Sure. You know, it it is an inherently risky business putting aside climate impacts, um, even just direct ecosystem impacts. You know, one of the problems is, and of course there is no new drilling happening either in state waters, which is the first three miles out from the shoreline, or in federal waters right now, no new drilling. But we do have these old leases and old permits, and that's that's what Amplify is operating under leases and permits that were given out in the 1980s. And Mm -hmm. You know they they have legal rights to go forward, so it gets much more challenging to try to uh, phase out those activities
2: All right well, Jackie writes every couple of years, either an oil refinery oil pipeline, or oil platform spills or leaks. Much is said by politicians about strengthening laws and regulations. However, it all happens again with no real consequences to the companies. CEOs and board of directors need to be held responsible. We drag pharmaceutical company execs, cigarette execs, and tech company executives into hearings. But oil executives have always escaped. Do you think uh, Jackie's right there with her assessment, uh, Deborah Sivas? And do you think this will spur new regulations governing offshore drilling in California?
3: We could see that. I think she's right in that we always hear politicians talk about that. And after the big BP oil spill down in the Gulf, we did see some strengthening of regulations. Although some of those were rolled back then during the Trump years. Um, so at, you know, I think one of the problems is it falls out of the public eye, and there's not pressure on the politicians to continue forward. So um, we could see something. We're we're uh, there. As I said, there's no new oil drilling going on, but it would be. Uh, It would be nice if we saw that the regulatory agencies taking a closer look at how uh, these facilities are maintained.
2: Jacob Margolis, are you hearing any estimates regarding how long cleanup could take and when the beaches might be open again?
0: Uh, I'm not about the beaches. Some of them are closed in, indefinitely, um, and I think cleanup is going to take some time. You know, focusing again on the wetlands in particular. Uh, I had one scientist I spoke with, a wetland ecologist, yesterday, said a 10-year timeline for recovery, 10-year plus, is is, is not unheard of.
2: As Jacob mentions, the wetlands, Deborah Sivas, can you help us put this spill in context? It's smaller than deep water, of course, but are its impacts on something as delicate and important as a wetland and, and other sort of coastal regional areas that are are sensitive? Is that of particular concern?
3: Yes, absolutely. And and it's, a, it's really unfortunate it happened where it did, because that wetlands is an important coastal wetlands. We have very few of them left, right? And, and we, we can talk about how many birds get oiled and and, and how many survive, right? But, but it's a whole different level of impact on um, disrupting that ecosystem. And I, and I think that's right. And I think, you know, another spill that actually didn't hit a wetlands directly like that was the refugio spill, about the same size. It took many years. Uh, and it's, it's maybe not even the case that the ecosystem is back to full functioning now. So that, it's particularly unfortunate that it's hitting that wetlands because there's mm-hmm. so few of them left.
2: Well, let me go to Elaine in San Mateo. Hi, Elaine.
3: Oh, hi. Um, I, I, am, um, I would just wanted to mention that putting a price on carbon-based energy would be the single most effective way to stop climate change. And it would also be a way to stop offshore drilling because it would make carbon-based energy more expensive than relative to green energy. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to hear comments about that. Sure. Deborah Sebas, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. If, you know, and it, we're having a hard time politically moving towards putting a, a a cost on carbon, but certainly it would drive up the cost of offshore. It's not that cheap to do offshore oil drilling, so it would drive that up, could um, substantially shorten the lifetime of those platforms out there.
2: What is the status of, of Fine Science West Coast Protection Act, Deborah Sivas, that would permanently ban oil and gas drilling in federal waters off California?
3: Yeah, I think that's a that that is an effort that might um, get increased attention given this spill, right? And that's partly it's been it it has not been drilling has not been allowed along the coast for um, several decades now, but it's always being threatened. The industry yeah. is interested in it, and certain administrations are interested in it. So this may be a, a spur to get that Feinstein legislation moving again.
2: Well, Jacob Margolis, just leave us with a better understanding of. Just how important these beaches are to the communities there, and the state, really?
0: Oh, I mean, critical to as you know up there, California life, absolutely. And then from an ecological perspective, uh, you know, uh, Deborah mentioned we've lost some ninety percent of our wetlands over the past century, and there turns out they're actually really important ecological areas. And so to see that happen to a wetland that was meticulously repaired, restored from dirt, uh, actually, from the 1980s onward, um, is really sad. And I think that uh, Californians um, seem to be pretty pretty against oil spills and their, their environments being destroyed uh, along the coast when accidents like this happen. So I'm interested to see what kind of legislation moves forward as well.
2: Well, Jacob Margolis, really appreciate having you on and giving us this update. I know you're following this story closely. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Jacob Margola, science reporter for KPCC and LAIST. Deborah Sievis also really appreciated having your analysis as well. And I'm sure you'll be following this too. Deborah Sievis, thank you.
3: I will. Thank you very much.
2: Deborah Sievis, professor of environmental law and director of the Environmental Law Clinic at Stanford. Coming up next, we'll be talking with Anita Hill as we reflect on 30 years next week of her testimony before Senate Judiciary Committee on. The confirmation of Clarence Thomas. Stay with us for that. You're listening to Forum. I'm Nina Kim.